Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. I understand those senior moments. I have them all the time myself. So we'll see how many senior moments I have as we look at God's Word. And so I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, I'll begin in verse 5 here in just a little bit. Now when uh, the Bible, uh, at least the New Testament, was written, it was during a time that was heavily influenced by Greek and Hellenistic culture. And it was a blessing in a sense that it gave the Roman Empire a common language which made evangelism and church planting easier, made it possible to write the New Testament in a language that everyone would be able to understand. And so it would be very easy to proclaim the news of Jesus Christ. However, there was also a negative to Greek culture, Hellenistic culture, in that the virtues and the values that came with Greek and Hellenistic culture were very much antithetical to those of Scripture because the Greek culture would applaud might, arrogance, self-centeredness, self-sufficiency, power at all cost, pride. Yeah, it's not a whole lot different than American culture nowadays, is it? Very much pride, self, exerting the self. The old country song, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way while it's meant to be funny and sarcastic. Well, wasn't that far off for Greek culture? Not that far off for our culture today. We live in an age of self-righteousness, self-sufficiency, self-indulgence, self-centeredness, and more about self and self and just self and put it something after the word self. It's all about self. We might think that these describe those on the outside of the church, but unfortunately, it describes many in the church as well. Peter says, though, that Christians, those in the church, are to have a different attitude. There's a different attitude that defines Christianity, and that is the attitude of humility. Now, in this epistle, Peter has told believers that their position in the world is that of a pilgrim. We're just passing through until we get to our destination, and that means that the church isn't to take on the values and virtues of the world, because this is not our home. We've been given a new life in Christ, and in that new life in Christ, it's a different value and different virtue than that of this world. And so take on the values of Scripture, take on the values of Christ. And so Peter describes how we are to live on this journey as we are on this earth passing through. And he concludes his epistle by talking about the attitude that we live with as pilgrims. Christian pilgrims are to clothe themselves with the attitude of humility because that's what's pleasing to God. And as we go on this journey, we want to be pleasing to God. And so we want to see what Peter has to say about this particular attitude as we read verses 5 through 14 of 1 Peter 5, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. And this is what Peter wrote. In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
And God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourselves under his mighty hand by casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Be sober and alert. Your enemy, the devil, like a roaring lion, is on the prowl looking for someone to devour. Resist him, strong in your faith, because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are enduring the same kind of suffering. And after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him belongs glory and power forever. Amen. But through Silvanus, whom I know to be a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly in order to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. The church in Babylon, chosen together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a loving kiss. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would allow us to reflect on our attitudes and, Lord, to see where we are at. May we not take on the attitudes of this world, especially this culture that we find ourselves in, but, Lord, that which you give through your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So Peter tells the church that he is writing to, he's writing, he says he's writing from Babylon. It's not literally the city he was writing from. It's a code name, and most scholars believe it was uh, Rome that he was writing from. And just as Babylon persecuted and harassed the nation of Israel, who was God's people at the time, Roman culture was now persecuting and harassing the people of God, which is the church. In this passage and throughout this epistle, Peter, Peter told the church that you know what, suffering for the faith in this fallen world is a reality. This world is temporarily under control of the enemy. And so Christians are going through a foreign land. Christians are going through enemy territory as far as we are concerned. And so persecution is part of it. But we're here on this earth to expand God's kingdom, to bring others into the fold so they too can become Christian pilgrims we're here to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so because we're in enemy territory and the enemy does not want to lose anybody else, we're going to go through harassment. We're going to go through persecution. We're going to go through suffering. But when we go through those things, we don't change the way we live. We don't change the message that we give. We don't compromise in any way. We've been given a new life in Christ. We live like we've been given a new life in Christ, in every aspect, even when we're going through trouble and tribulation by those who are opposed to the faith. So Peter in our passage says, you know what? You are suffering just like the other brothers and sisters throughout the world. They're going through that same suffering. You're not going through anything different. You know, we think here in America we're going through suffering. We may be being harassed, but nothing like many of our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world. Yes, we might be joining them soon, but don't think that anything unique is happening here in America. Don't think that anything unique with all the harassment that we're getting about our stand on biblical truths and who we believe Christ to be, don't think it's weird that we're being harassed because of it, we're being persecuted in some way. That's the norm. This world belongs to the devil for now, but we want to do what we can to do damage to his kingdom. And so we begin this new life in Christ. We live like it. That means with our attitudes as well. And so Peter in our passage, you know, he says you're suffering just like all your brothers and sisters. And, and, but this, this suffering is temporary. 
But even through the temporary suffering, there's a certain attitude that you take when you're dealing with this hostility you receive. And, you know, it's timely because of what we're going through. And so when, when this hostile world becomes hostile toward you because of your faith, you don't get hostile back. You don't cop an attitude, I guess, to put it in modern day wording. Instead, what does he say? He says in verse 5, clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself with humility. And then he describes whom especially we are to have this humility toward. Yes, we have humility toward everyone, even our enemies. But, you know, it's especially toward certain people that he he mentions because it's through this that we will receive the help we need to navigate through this hostile world. And so I want to mention two today about two groups of people that we are show humility toward because this is how we are going to help ourselves through the hostility that we receive. And so if you have uh, or if you have this right attitude, you're going to be able to get through this journey a whole lot easier than if you kind of try and fight against God and, and the attitudes that he tells you to have. And, and so if we're to have the right attitude through our journey on earth, first today he says, have humility toward other believers. Have humility toward other believers. In verse 5, he tells us to be humble toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. He first talks about kind of a specific category, but then he generalizes it to the whole church. Because first, Peter says to take on a humble attitude toward the leadership of the church. Be subject to their leadership. He says the younger are to be subject to the elders. And this obviously can be taken in a couple of ways, and it might actually be meant in both ways. You know, at first could be talking about younger people ought to follow the leadership of those who are older, the older uh, Christians are a little bit, are a lot more experienced, even when we have our senior moments, you know, but we have more experience living for Christ. We've learned some things along the way. We've gained some knowledge and wisdom that we can pass down to the younger people so we can help make their journey easier, at least point them in the right direction. Now, you know, what older Christians do for younger Christians, maybe, you know, parents try to do that for their kids. You try and give them some advice. You try and tell them, hey, you know, try, do this and try this. They don't always listen. Sometimes they think, you know, you're nagging at them. Sometimes they think uh, you, you don't understand what they're going through. But what you're trying to do is save them from some trouble, save them from some hassle, you know, they, they, kids, they don't think that you've gone through the same thing. They think somehow that their day and age is different. And it's like, no, it's not. Like uh, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. Anything that you're going through, guess what? Other people have gone through. Even your parents. Yeah. I mean, we may have graduated with Noah or Moses or whoever, but, you know, we still went through the same things. You know, that's what our kids think. I mean, I may be old as dirt and I might have my senior moments, but you know what? I've been through some things. I have a little wisdom to pass down to to help along the way. And so, you know, we're trying to tell them, learn from us. Otherwise, you're going to learn the hard way. I'm trying to save you from that. Learn from us. Well, it's similar with, with older Christians, younger Christians. You know, us older Christians, we've gone through stuff. We have wisdom. We have knowledge. We want to pass it along. And so it takes humility to say, you know what, I might not know everything, I might actually want to listen to someone who's been through it. It takes humility to do that. Our pride says, oh, I don't need to listen to anybody, I know what I'm doing. Well, no, it takes humility to listen to someone who says, hey, I, I've 
gone through stuff. And if you don't, because you might miss a means of grace that God has put in your life to help you through this journey. And then you're going to learn things the hard way. And so there, that's one kind of, uh, if you want to say, angle about the younger and the elder thing. But this terminology of younger and elder also refers to the flock of the church listening to the pastoral leadership that God has placed over them. Because in the passage right before this one, Peter talked about elders who shepherd the people. And, you know, they care for the, the people. And, and this is the attitude that we are to have, uh, you know. So it makes sense for Peter now to say, okay, younger, listen to the elders, listen to the church leadership. This is not a blanket you know, statement to follow anyone for any reason. It's, he's not saying, well, follow, your, follow the elders of the church, follow the pastors of the church if they go into heresy or apostasy or whatever. You know, he's not saying if they abuse their leadership uh, to, to follow them. But if the pastor teaches biblical truth and is following what Peter said in the previous passage where, you know, he says, you know, they're not to lead out of duty, but willingly. They're not to lead for shameful profit, but eagerly not to lead, uh, not to lord it over people, but to be an example. I mean, if the, the elders of the church are following that, then you are subject to their leadership. And so this submission to leadership, that takes a whole lot of humility. It takes humility to follow any sort of leadership, be it pastoral or, or whatever, because following leadership goes against the pride that's within us because there's just something within us that we don't want to be told what to do. We cringe anytime anyone tells us what, wants to tell us what to do. I'm not immune to that. You know, if I I'm, I'm, want to do something and somebody says, well, you ought to do it some other way, they suggest some other way, you know, I'll thank them and, and say I'll take it into consideration, but inside I'm thinking, I got this, I know what I'm doing, right? I don't, I don't need to be told what to do. Now, thankfully, I take what they say, put it in the back of my brain, and it's kind of running in the background, kind of like on a computer. You have those programs that are running in the background. You don't know they're running, but they're there. Well, you know, I take what they say, and it's running in this program in the back, and I'm thinking, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'll do it, I'll do it my way. But eventually something will click in the back of my brain saying, you know what, they actually made sense what they said. You might want to try it their way. But right, it's, it's our initial pride that just kind of kicks, it's, it's like shutting the door. No, I don't need to listen to anyone. I know, I know what I'm doing. You know, we, we don't want to be subject to anyone but ourselves. But Peter says, be subject to the elders. And so, it, it takes a lot of humility to, to, to do that. It goes against the pride that, that, that's um, w within us. So we submit ourselves to the leadership. And, you know, honestly, in, in the context of suffering that Peter is writing in, I mean, this is throughout his epistle, you know, the pastor is there to shepherd you through those times. You know, there's a reason why we're called sheep, because like sheep, we want to do our own thing. We, we just, without any thought of danger, we just wander and just go. That's just what sheep do. But a pastor, a shepherd is given to rein us back in and guide us through the difficult waters. And so it's actually to our benefit to subject ourselves to the authorities that God places over us. I mean, God places different authorities in our life for our good. 
whether we like to admit it or not, whether we like to recognize it or not, I mean, the authorities that he places in our life are there for our, our good, but it takes humility to actually listen to them. And, and so, you know, that, that's one concept of, of, of um, this, you know, humility toward other believers. But then Peter goes on to say that we clothe ourselves with humility toward one another, toward the church. We need to be humble toward our brothers and sisters in Christ so we can help one another navigate through this hostile territory, navigate through this, this stuff that we're going through, you know, that, so we're not facing it alone. It, it takes humility to say, I need my brothers and sisters in Christ to help me walk through this. It takes humility to say, you know what, I'm not going to be the Lone Ranger and do my own thing. It takes humility that he, to realize that even in the Christian life, you know what, it's not about you and it's not about what you can get out of it. This humility, clothing yourself with humility with one another. It's living a life of service to the church rather than living as, as if everyone else serves you. It takes humility to get out of the routine of just being a spectator within your faith and then going out and, you know, li living for God's kingdom. It takes humility to correct a wrong that you may have committed. It takes humility to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It takes humility to realize that you need help and encouragement of others. It takes humility to say, I can't do this by myself. I, I need my brothers and sisters in Christ to get through this. So humility is the opposite of pride. We need to kill the pride. And clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. And, and so this is humility toward other believers. But then there's a second category that Peter talks about. And secondly, it's humility toward God. We really need humility toward God. At the end of verse five, Peter quotes Proverbs 3.34. And, and this, from the Hebrew, this is what it says in Proverbs 3.34. With arrogant scoffers, he is scornful, yet he shows favor uh, to the humble. God is gonna mock and scoff and oppose those who will not humble themselves before him. But those who humble themselves before him, he will give grace. He will show favor. And so Peter says in verse six, God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourselves under his mighty hand. He will exalt you if you humble yourself under his mighty hand. And this is important. Because if you expect God to get you through the hostility, through the suffering, through the difficult times, you have to humble yourself under his mighty hand. Now, when he's talking about his mighty hand, it's not like mighty hand of judgment. It's not like, you know, it's not like an iron fist when he's talking about mighty hand. It is the mighty hand of him holding you in his hands and no one is going to snatch you out of his hands. That's the mighty hands. It is the mighty hands of his protection. It is the mighty hands of his care. It is the mighty hands of his lordship. You will not experience this work of God in your life if you're prideful. If you, oh, I, I got it. I don't need God. I got this. Well, you're not going to experience God to the fullness. You're not going to experience his mighty hand of care and lordship if you're prideful. That's why Augustine, or Augustine, however you might want to pronounce the name of that church father, he said, for those who would learn God's ways, and, and you know, meaning to really learn by experience, 
for those who would learn by experience God's ways, humility is the first thing, humility is the second, humility is the third. And on and on it goes. It's just like real estate. Right? Location, location, location. Okay, you want to know God's ways? Humility, humility, humility. Peter says, humble yourself under his mighty hand. How? How do we humble ourselves under his mighty hand? It has to do with placing ourselves under his care and protection in the mighty hands of care and protection. And so first, Peter says in verse 7, that we humble ourselves under his mighty hand by casting all our cares on him because he cares for us. We realize that God actually does love us, that he has our best interests in mind, and yes, he does allow us to suffer. Yes, he allows us to go through tribulation and troubles, but that does not mean he doesn't love us. When we go through those trials and troubles, if they start to make us worry, if they start to cause us to have anxiety, if they start to stress us out, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to hold on to it in our pride or in our humility will we cast our cares upon the Lord? Are we going to say, no, I got the strength to do this, or are we going to run to the arms of our loving Father who's going to take care of us? It says, cast your cares on him, he cares for you. Do you believe that? It's easy to go through the theological motions, oh yeah, I believe that. No, I mean, do you believe it? I mean, do you live like it? Do you actually think that and believe and live like God cares for you? Because our pride will prevent us from getting the help from God that we need. I mean, normally, you know, in our pride, we don't, we don't need, we say we don't need any help from anybody. I mean, all of our limbs could be cut off. Hey, what can I do to help you? I don't need any help. I'm good. You know, we're just prideful that, that way. The sad thing is we do that to God. Oh, I don't, I don't need your help either. I got this, right? We say that, I got this. I mean, if we want to think of a ridiculous picture, you know, think of if you fell off of a cliff and, you know, one of them trees is coming from the side of the cliff. You happen to grab onto it, but your fingers are slipping and you're hanging there, dangling hundreds of feet uh, above the ground. Well, someone finds you and they lower a rope to you and say, hey, grab this rope. I'll pull you up. And you say, no, I got this. I don't need your help. No, you don't. There's no way for you to climb up. Grab the rope. No, I, 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 I got this. It takes humility to say, I don't got this. I, I don't got this. Be it persecution for the faith or whatever it is we're, we're, we're going through. So Peter says we humble ourselves under his hand by casting our anxieties on him instead of trying to carry it at ourselves. We cast it upon God. We throw it to God. God, here. here this is going on in my life. Here, you take care of it. And then you leave it with him right? Most of the time, here, God, take care of this. Wait, no, I got this. No, here, God, you take care of this. No, wait, give it back to me. I got this. Back and forth. That's pride. In our humility, we cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. But then next, Peter also mentions that humility before God is important so that we are protected from the snares and traps of the enemy. 
If you want to take that prideful Lone Ranger, I got this attitude, you make yourself open prey for the enemy, for the devil's tactics. He could lead you to apostasy. He could lead you to be discouraged in the faith. One of a million tactics that he, he takes on. So Peter warns us to humble ourselves under God's hands, be on the lookout, run to God for cover because your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He is seeking someone to devour. And if you are not under his or in his protective hands, that might be you. You know, if you have that self-sufficient attitude about life, the picture that Peter is painting here reminds me of all, the, all them nature shows that, you know, we, we may have watched. You know, when I was a kid, it was Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Boy, am I dating myself. Everyone over the age of 50 says, yeah, I remember that. And everyone else is like, what? It was a nature show when I was a kid. You saw it was pretty cool. And in those nature shows, though, sometimes, you know, when they're in Africa or whatever, and they, they, they're watching the lions, what do the lions do? They, they try and isolate someone from the herd in order to make them easier prey, to turn them into dinner. That's what the devil's doing. The devil wants you isolated from others. The devil wants you isolated from God so he can devour you. He can lead you astray. He can discourage you. And so Peter says, don't do that. Resist him. How do you resist him? Well, you know, James, actually James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, and Peter, they kind of talk about the, the same things here. But according to James chapter 4, you submit to God, you resist the devil, he will flee from you, you draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Do you hear something similar here? Draw near to God. Get out of your pride and run to God for protection. Don't say, I got this. Run to God. Stop thinking that you can protect yourself from the devil. You need to humble yourself and draw near to God. And only then are you going to be able to resist the ways of the devil. And so if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, what happens to you? Look at verse 10. It says, And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Put yourself in the mighty hands of God. Humble yourself into the mighty hands of God. You will be restored. You will be confirmed, strengthened. You will have your feet put on solid ground. You'll be strengthened. You'll be established. You'll be founded. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He will get you through the storm of trouble. He'll get you through the storm of persecution. He will get you through the storm of suffering. It does not say he will prevent you from getting into the storm. But when you are in the storm, you are in his hands. But if you go it alone, if you are prideful, I got this, you're on your own. And you're going to learn a whole lot the hard way. And so don't be like what we normally do. Don't learn the hard way. 
humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Now having said all this, what are some ways that we can live in humility toward others and toward God? What are some practical steps that we can take to have this humble attitude? What I'm about to say is not unique to me. I mean, you know, it's just out there in, in various studies. And so let me give you very quick, if you wanna call them practical steps, just practical items about being humble before God and before others. First, confess your sins to God and confess when you have sinned against others. Because everyone sins and falls short of the glory of God, we are told to confess our sins because he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We are told in the, for John's first epistle that if we deny having sinned, we make God a liar. And the truth is not in us because God says, yeah, y'all are sinners. And so we confess before him. We need to examine ourselves, review our lives, confess to God how we have sinned against him. But if we have a, you know, uh, sinned against someone else, we confess that sin. But you know, so often pride prevents us from admitting wrong. Pride prevents us from, you know, and, it, and when an, pride prevents us from admitting wrong and, the, and the, it, it ruins the, the relationship. You know, I, I can do no wrong. What are you talking about? It reminds me of this, um, this sign that was in my uncle's office when I was a kid. It said, I never make a mistake. I thought I did once, but I was wrong. That's often the attitude that we take. I never make a mistake, what are you talking about? Humility confesses and rights the wrongs and seeks forgiveness. Second, be patient when you have been wronged. You know, in, in our pride, someone wrongs us, I mean, we wanna just react. We don't wanna think, we wanna react, you know, boom. I just wanna take, just get back at you. You do something wrong to me, I'm just gonna go right at you. But being humble and patient when wronged is such a reflection of Christ-likeness. I mean, that's Christ-likeness at its peak. He himself was wronged, and yet he took it humbly. Earlier in the passage, in, uh, earlier in this epistle, in chapter 3, verse 9, this is what Peter had told us. Do not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead bless others because you, are, you were called to inherit a blessing. Don't repay evil for evil, instead bless. Right, and Jesus himself said, love your enemy, bless them that curse you, pray for those who persecute you. Yeah, but Lord, I'd rather just give a right cross. No, bless and do not curse. That takes humility. Third, Receive correction and feedback from others graciously. You know, in our pride, if someone notes something that, you know, we could do better or we've done wrong, whatever, I mean, our defenses automatically go up and our ears automatically shut down. And I don't want to hear, who are you to tell me to blah, 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 blah. We may not say that out loud, but come on, that's gone through our brain. Who are you to tell me blah, 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 blah my business? No. I've heard many a wise person say that every criticism, whether it's fair or not, always has a grain of truth in it and you can learn from it. 
The Bible tells us, I mean, the wise man Solomon, he, he was wise for the most part, except when it came to his relationships but, uh, and some of the choices he made, but he was wise for the most part. And he tells us in Proverbs ten seventeen, the one who heeds instruction is on the way to life, but the one who rejects rebuke goes astray. And then he tells us in Proverbs 12, 1, the one who loves discipline loves knowledge, but the one who hates reproof is stupid. Now, that, that's the new English translation. I wasn't making that up. That is the new English translation. Sometimes the new English translation just puts it out there. If you hate reproof, you're stupid. You know, I, I, look, I didn't write this, God did. Look it up in the Hebrew, if you know, like it. Fourth, be willing to accept no recognition for what it is you do, but do everything you do for the glory of God alone. Don't do things for your glory. Accept no recognition for what you do. Do everything for God's glory alone. Because in our pride, we do things with the look at me attitude. I do, look at me, watch what I do. It's all about me, look at, look at me. I want the recognition, right? We've, we've all been children and some of us, we've had children, they've had that, you know, when they're really young, they have the attitude that they wanna be the center of attention. Cute for a kid, not so much for an adult. Right? For too many, it translates into what they do for God and the church. When they do something, they want everybody in the world to know that they did it. How many people have gotten mad at the pastor because the pastor did not automatically recognize what they do and patted them on the back and lauded them with praise? But Jesus tells us a completely different approach. Don't seek the high places. Don't do things to be seen. Don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do it quietly for the glory of God. You know, he, he, for an example, Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4, be careful not to display your righteousness merely to be seen by people. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. Thus, whenever you do charitable giving, do not blow a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets so that people will praise them. I tell you the truth, they already have their reward. But when you do your giving, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your gift may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Keyword there, secret. He'll reward you. And Jesus gives this warning in Luke 14, 11. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And then fifth, and uh, finally, cultivate an attitude of gratefulness. Cultivate an attitude of gratefulness because you gotta remember that everything you have is not yours. It didn't come from you. It came from the Lord. You did not do it yourself. Thankfulness constantly reminds you of your need for God your reliance on God, he is the God of provision. He, you haven't provided for yourself, God has given you everything you have. And so that should destroy any remnant of self-sufficiency within us, within our heart. Look, I, I, I don't have and do what I do, except God gave it to me. And so if he gave it to me, I need him to continue this. Paul told us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything give thanks. Everything you have, everything you do, everything you've been allowed to do, every gift you're given, 
be it a physical gift, a spiritual, worldly gift, spiritual gift, whatever. Just remember, God allowed it. God gave it. He provided. Cultivate an attitude of gratefulness. So Christian, I invite you to consider your attitude toward life. If you're prideful, I mean, you're not gonna, if you're prideful, you're not gonna weather the coming, coming hostility very well. It's gonna be a rough, rough road for you. Even rougher than it should, would need to be. Even, it will be rough, but. But if you live in humility, I mean, you, you live in the grace of God. And remember, he is going to restore you and confirm you and strengthen you and establish you. So come to the altar and pray that God gives you a spiritual attitude adjustment, I guess would be the way to put it, in every way. And I'll quickly close with this. It takes, a, it takes great humility to recognize that you are a sinner. And it takes great humility to come to the only cure for your sin. It takes great humility to receive God's provision for your sin, and that is Christ Jesus, his son, our Lord. He died for us, he rose again. In our pride, we wanna say, hey, what can I do to get to heaven? What can I do to earn God's favor? The answer is nothing. You can do nothing. God had to do it for you, and he provided it through Jesus Christ. And so you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That's it? That's all I gotta do? You don't do anything, but I'll tell you what, it takes great humility to say, I can't save myself. I need a savior, and that savior is Jesus Christ. How many people have gone to hell because they were too prideful to submit themselves to, the, to Jesus Christ? Don't let that be you. Today, while we're having our invitation, I'll be up front. You come, you humble yourself before the Lord, and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.